Good afternoon, everyone. This is episode 49 of the Off Topical Podcast. My name is Gardner. Raven isn't here today, but I'm not quite by myself. Uh, joining me today, we have uh, Ike Doherty of Lispy Snake Limited. Uh, they are a new uh, or relatively new open source company. They are developing uh, an open source video game engine as well as uh, some other things. And so uh, I wanted to sit down with you, uh, Ike, and we wanted, I wanted to talk to you about um, your project that you're working on. Uh, Lispy Snake is the company. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So, uh, what are your goals as a company, and what do you want? Uh, what do you want to build? So, primarily, it's a software development company that makes games, and I think that's an important distinction from a game studio that makes software. Um, you know, using well-established practices within the industry as well as challenging them. So, primarily, you know, it's a software engineering firm, but like games would like to play games and kind of tired of games that are visual heavy but lack content or depth so i want something kind of a bit story driven you know something that feels a bit real something that's got a bit of grit so that's kind of what it's about um at the same time the company's primarily founded for doing contract work hence the slightly odd name of lispy snake it's kind of a pun on the python contracting work we do um and you know he was the only thing i could come up with at the time <laughs> uh, but the focus on open source as well so if we develop tools or libraries that we feel other people want open source them put them out there and that's kind of what's happening with the game that we're making which has no title uh the engine that's been developed for it is also going to be open sourced so it can benefit other you know indie 2d devs because we're kind of focusing on the 2d games at the moment Okay. And so like, uh, you said you do uh, Python contracting work, like what kind of, um, uh, what kind of credentials do you have when it comes to actual programming? Um, well, I recently left job as a senior software engineer in uh, Intel in May. I've been employed in the industry for very many years. I've been part of the open source world for many years. I've been the head of a couple of Linux distributions as well. Um, worked on Intel's Clear Linux uh, that was involving virtualization, scalability, you know, so I've brought a lot of those skills into one shop, which has a unique perspective on software development and, you know, kind of the the skills to achieve that. Um, so we have the unique talent as such that we can actually build Linux distributions from scratch or we can maintain parts of them uh, there's a lot of back office work to do because a lot of people these days, especially in the mid-sized business market, are looking for back office solutions that aren't WordPress, so that leads to a lot of you know custom software being developed. Um, so we're trying to steer people away from technical debt and yeah. using existing works out there, uh, whether it's going to be a Go microservice or you're going to be using Django or Flask. You know, there's plenty of stuff out there. Trying to steer people towards the open source foundations to reduce technical debt in the world. And just keep the wheels spinning. Yeah, definitely. I I have found that um, there are a lot of companies that are willing to take on an enormous amount of technical debt just so that they don't have to put in like the upfront cost of you know yeah. either you know con converting over to like an open source solution or uh, or like having someone just do that work for them. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you're they're they're delaying um, their immediate they're, they're, they're delaying their long-term interest in terms uh to like uh put off the 
the initial cost. And it's like, so that's one of the things that I used to do at my day job was I was a software developer and I created a ton of software that uh, like backend software that our office used to like maintain inventory and stuff like that. And uh, the, the amount of like fighting that I got from management was, was so crazy to me because it's like, you know, if we actually control our software, we can do so much more than if we're using some proprietary solution that was made by a company in 1973. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I totally understand what you're talking about there. Um, yeah, I mean, our, our mess within the company is kind of, I've seen many times in the industry where you will attempt to you meet your uh, time to market, but your, your hindrance is you've got to build that team up internally. You're trying to scale internally to scale externally. And if you don't already have the skills there, you know, you're again, you're making hires outside of the company. You're disrupting the, you know, like the social culture of your company just to meet the business needs. Uh, I've seen a lot of that happen, you know, whole new teams, whole new people, new project managers brought in just because somebody decided this project needed to be done. Whereas in reality, you could have gone to someone who already knew how to do it and have them maintain, build that for you or build it in a maintainable fashion for you while helping to train up your developers. So you keep your edge, you keep your time to market while, you know, actually being a bit economically sensible. Right. Yeah. So so you've done a lot of work for, you know, the, the private sector and for open source uh, technology as well. And that's really awesome. Uh, that's super commendable. Um, so you're now doing a, a 2D engine uh, for game development. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I've been shopping around and for the longest time I've wanted to create a game. Now, what you typically find happens is engineers and developers typically don't make games. Uh, you get people, I mean, I'm speaking broadly here and there will, will be people who disagree, but yeah. you tend to get native people who don't develop and then you get developers who don't create. You, you get put in these very, very distinct camps. Um, what I've wanted to do for the longest time is actually create a game, but going back a couple of years, I probably lacked a lot of the imagination required to do so. <laughs> I'm trying to step out into the creative edge. Um, so I've been shopping around for an, an engine for the longest time, but I want to do what any other indie 2D game developer wants to do out there, and that is make something quickly, efficiently, that I know can scale, because, again, with the work I've done, scalability is always an issue to me. Yeah. I want to know that well, like a, a metric button of sprites up on the screen on a low-powered device. I want to be able to do that, and so far... I didn't really find anything that does that for me or I have to learn some random proprietary basic like programming language and drag and drop stuff on the screen. So, you know, you're even catering completely to one camp or the other. Uh, there seems to be no in-between ground and everything else out there seems to be a clone of the Unity editor. So I was like, there's got to be something out there. And I just didn't find anything. I said, hey, I build an engine, I just base it around the stuff that already exists out there. So use SDL, have that handle, a lot of the core abstractions for accessing graphics, input, all that stuff, and make something that has a 3D rendering pipeline, but makes you think in 2D terms. And that's something I haven't seen in a lot of game engines. Even though you're making a 2D game, you're still forced to think in terms of 3D stages and, you know, like a, a vector coordinate system. And that feels uh, an illogical thing to have developers do when they just want to 
whack out a quick 2D game that can benefit from stuff like shaders and camera bounds and all the prettiness you see without having to have pre-rendered 3D models. So this is kind of an approach that we're going for. It makes you think and develop and believe that you're working in 2D, but internally there's a 3D pipeline that's handling all of the sprite rendering and batching and stuff for you. So you can make scalable games that look beautiful, but are really 2D. So that's kind of what we want because we want to make a 2D game. And for that, we need the engine that meets our needs. And in terms of those specific requirements, but also having something that feels like it's AAA quality, to my knowledge, and I might be wrong, I might be offending people there, I don't think that exists in a pure 2D uh, notion. So we're kind of rolling around, but basing it around other platforms that exist, again, using SDL, so that we're not reinventing the wheel, right. uh, just reducing friction a little bit. Right. So the workflow that you're targeting, correct me if I'm wrong, is that you want to have a, an engine that has like a, a 3D pipeline that lets you think in 3D as you're as you're building a two-dimensional game? I, I think it's more that it lets you think in 2D while building a 2D game, but in reality, it's 3D. So you're not having models or anything like that, but in terms of having a proper pipeline with shaders, proper batches and sprite rendering, you know, something that uh, a few C-sharp developers, we should say, would be used to, but without all that 3D junk and, you know, 3D stages and worrying about your Z-depth and, you know, stuff that you don't really want to worry about, actually being able to write an honest-to-God game, feel like you've written a game as opposed to drag and dropped it all over the place, mm. but still benefit from 3D underneath it. That's kind of what we're going for. That's awesome. So what kind of, like, actual workflow are you targeting? Like, do you have, like, you're targeting, like, a IDE of some kind? Or, like, do you want to have some more of a Unity-style interface? Or do you not want to have anything like Unity? Um, so at the moment, the way it's been developed is more open source friendly than that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the whole engine is a Git sub-module. Okay which might sound a bit peculiar. So at the moment, we're using the Maison build system. And you, you know, just add your Git sub-module in sub-projects for the game engine, uh, set a few configuration options, create an instance in your code of the, the engine itself, and just start using it. Um, so it's, you know, it's heavily geared towards actual code usage. Mm -hmm. But one of our future thinks will be having scripting support not as something that we create scripting language because seriously no one ever needs to do that again mm. uh, more in terms of uh, exposing it to bindings so that if you wanted to create your own self-contained executable that had the engine built in as part of the binary as well as something like LuaJet or some form of js engine yeah. then you could quite easily do that and then you know include your js assets or your dot lure assets and have all that in script but you've still got your C code, your, your main entry in C, or if you really like C++, that as well. By using C, it's you know it's the most lowest common de uh, denominator. You can kind of use it everywhere and however you want. Uh, for us personally, everything is just going to be C because mm. that's kind of our strength. Nice. So uh, you're using C, so that's very portable. What target uh, platforms are you actually going for? Uh, at the moment, I am generally only focused on Linux, and that might sound a little bit strange. Uh, that is the current development target. Is it in terms of 
developing features, you know, uh, developing a baseline, only currently fo focusing on Linux. Uh, as we get towards the first engine release and technical demo of the game, then it'd be looking at porting to other platforms. So we're doing it a bit uh, backwards of other companies that would tend to start with Windows or Mac and then start porting to other platforms. Uh, we're developing that for Linux on Linux. Um, once we've got everything working there, then we'll start porting over to other platforms, so Mac and then uh, finally Windows. Um, we'd like a stripped down nice version of the engine available for Android, uh, but that would be, that's like a, a way off target involving the NDK. Mm. Um, so SDL, you know, we already know it works with the NDK on, on Android phones. So, you know, that's not too unrealistic a target. But for right now, we're just focusing on, you know, the, the desktop gamer, as it were. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So the, um, so as I like to say, you're doing it the appropriate way. You're doing the alphabetically yeah. correct way, Linux and then Mac and then Windows. <laughs> yeah uh, that's the that's the only way to do it in my opinion if you're smart uh so that's pretty awesome um cool so do you have any plans for like uh working on a port of this for like the librem 5 or like the the pine phone or anything like that um yeah i mean not personally um but once the engine you know is available up on GitHub, or you know, we can mirror to GitLab because I know some people have some social differences with GitHub, and you know, we get that. So, making it available to everyone is sort of important yeah. um, because we want the code to be portable anyway and as minimum in the way of platform abstractions as we can. Happily accept pull requests from people who want to, you know, I know it's the, <laughs> I know it's the infamous patches welcome, uh, but. No, honestly, in the future, once it's all up and out there, if people want to add some functionality for a given platform to enable it there, as long as it is validated and tested, then, yeah, you know, that that's absolutely fine. But it's not something we're directly going to support right now because you've got to have some form of scope limitation. Right, right. And, I mean, honestly, that's, like, the open source way. I mean, you know, you're targeting Linux mm -hmm. and and you're, you're keeping in mind the, you know, that other platforms might see... Uh, you know, support at some point, and maybe not. Maybe you're not necessarily uh, targeting, you know, the you know ARM-based devices or whatever, but someone else might. Mm. And so that's like the open source thing, and that's what I love about open source and, and free software is that, you know, it's a it's a collaborative experience. It's a collaborative community. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, so are you talking about like what kind of game you're actually developing while you're doing the engine too? Yeah, um, let me just bring up my documents because we have those now. <laughs> so um, a lot of people won't be aware of the company structure, but long story short, uh, Ryan Sipes has recently come on board as an advisor and we've been you know, discussing a few game mechanics and the background story. I guess the easiest way that you could quickly describe the game, although it would be somewhat inaccurate, um, the game we have in mind is sort of Battlestar Galactica universe, mm. not not the games. Like if you think of the BSG universe, kind of meets Homeworld ish, would be nice. the closest way to describe it. Um, so like Ronald, what we want to do Moore is... Battlestar. Sorry, Ronald D. Moore Battlestar or the older one? Well, yeah, we can go with that one. I'll, I'll allow that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what we kind of want to do is 
it's a, it's a game that has to have depth. You know, as I said earlier on, I'm, I'm more about content and depth than I am on visuals. That's sort of why 2D strikes a chord with me. Yeah. Um, what I'm more thinking is a game that at first feels, this is going to sound stupid, at first it's going to feel like your typical cheesy 80s style almost uh, space battle game. You know, you've yeah. got your typical hero character and everything feels a bit like an 80s space sim and you have your main character and he's been set up in some kind of situation and it all feels a bit cheesy, but over time, the game will, the the universe of the game will start to corrupt. So what will at first feel like your, your typical cheesy 80s title is slowly going to develop uh, strains that you wouldn't find in other games. So uh, characters will have certain traits based on where the story is going. So the, the decisions you make in the story will affect the outcome as well as having permanent death for crew members as an option. Uh, crew members also having traits like, um, you know, uh, depression and substance abuse. Mm. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to get quite twisted quite early on. And what we're looking at is creating situations that force you to evaluate the human condition. I know that sounds a little bit cliche, uh, but that, that, the way that we're going to achieve that is, you know, kind of build people's hope up as they're going through the game and then rip that hope back down again and leave you with that one little shred to climb through to the next part of the gameplay. Mm. That's, that's sort of the goal here, and to have realistic relationships that are quite gritty, uh, to put the characters in a spot that they might, they might make decisions that you would otherwise disagree with, but you're forced to rethink about it because of the situation. So in terms of a, a game, it's, it's going to be very, very story-led. Uh, but there will be some interesting mechanics along the way, such as being able to board somebody else's ship. Uh, it won't just be, you know, the, the top-down style of ships. We're looking at some point to have actual on-the-ground mechanics as well, which would probably be something like 2D side-scroll. But at least you'll have the option to see those characters and, you know, have some kind of feeling about them as opposed to being an avatar on screen that comes up with a bit of text. So mm. we're going for a slightly corrupted approach to, you know, the, the AD space game. That's really cool. That's like super exciting to me. Um, so I I played this game Space Base DF9. Did you ever play that? I'm not sure. I'm me. I'm one of those people. I'm terrible with names. Yeah. So it was um it was like a game that was created by Double Fine, um and mm. it was like a it was kind of like a space base simulator, uh, and it was it was really cool. It was really fun and like there were there was a lot of potential but it never left like an early access state um mm. and there were there were things in that game that like remind me of what you're talking about like uh, you, there were interpersonal things that could go on uh, there wasn't like addiction mm. and and substance abuse and stuff like that but that sounds like super compelling and um that has me really excited i, I can't wait to get my hands on this um so you, you, is it like a side scroller? Is it more like a like a three quarter top down perspective kind of thing, or what kind of like? For now, we're looking at like a you know a, a pure top down perspective. Um, we're we're looking to at the moment we've got an artist that we're talking to. Uh, you know when they're when they feel a little bit more comfortable and things are further on, we'll ask them to do a blog post or introduce uh, introduce themselves and show the mockups. Um, there's a there's a specific style. That we're fighting over, uh, not fighting like internally. We're deciding over. Mm. On the one hand, you know everybody loves a hipster pixel, but on the other hand, I think we all love 
what I would call lush retro. That's when you see something in a retro style, but it's got that, it's got a certain beauty and elegance to it, but infused with, you know, a Blade Runner visual. Yeah. And I think that's kind of more the look we're going for. So if you can sort of picture that in your mind, you know, with the, even though like there's, it's very bright and vibrant, it's very dark and depressing at the same time. Yeah. So that's sort of the, again, everything's got like a mixed sort of corruption is the, is the best way to describe the balance we're going for in the game. Um, so yeah, if you can imagine that sort of visual from a, a top down view when you're, you know, like a uh, space combat and between different planetary bodies, um, but then you would have sort of a, a side scroller element, which would feel, I'm hoping would feel a little bit golden axy, but in a way that people like <laughs> um, when you're yeah. down on the ground. So that's awesome. Um, wow. So okay. be confident. Uh, that's why I'm working on the camera part of the engine now to support different perspectives. Right. So when you say like um, the retro pixel look, are you talking like high resolution pixel art or are you talking like 8-bit um, or are you, are you talking about more something more akin to like Transistor or, you know, Bastion or something like that where it's like it has a retro feel and retro gameplay, um, but it also has like modern high resolution graphics. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would definitely describe as, you know, like a, a lush retro feel. Like, it looks amazing, but it feels very old-worldy. Yeah. And that's, at the moment, that's kind of winning in my mind over your typical 8-bit palette and hipster pixel. So, yeah. like, there's there's a bit of a fight going on internally, but, you know, we'll whichever way it works, it, it, whatever look it ends up with, it's going to be more about how the, how the story unfolds and how you, you know, because you don't want something that's entirely linear, but you do want to feel a sense of progression throughout the story. You don't want this. You can have a world that's too open. You know, you, you kind of do need to cap what choices can be made and still allow that branching to happen naturally. So it, it's it's hard to get that balance right, but the it's going to... I mean, I'm not quite sure which style is going to win right now, but again, you know, the, the, the gameplay and the story are going to be far more important than the visual style. Right. And that's kind of our fault. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's like the, the thing is like games are great, you know, from a visual standpoint, but you know, visuals can't stand on their own and you really need to have, um, you know, a solid core game loop in order to be worthy of people spending their time and especially their money on a game. Um, so that's, that's a commendable uh, stance to take. Um, all right. So now you're doing something very interesting with the way that you're trying to fund the development here. Um, can you talk about how uh, you're planning on uh, funding this? Yeah, I mean, there's so there's two ways. Well, initially, there was one way of funding this, and that was, you know, feedback investment from the outcome of our own contract work. And that's great, but that is slow going. You know, we're getting to the end of the year. And if you ever worked in the industry, which you have as well, you know how tax years link into this. Yeah. So, yeah, is we want this game. And I'm pretty sure there's other people out there wanting that game. And there's people that know myself, know Ryan, and potentially know the artist that we're speaking to as well and know the work we've all done in the past and would like to see us all together creating this. So we decided that one of the ways we could do this is a kind of crowdfunding opportunity without the issues associated with Indigo and Kickstarter. And um, there is a certain publishing website that will take 
a hell of a lot of your revenue, so we won't even discuss that guy. Um, so the way that we if you buy, you effectively you buy a license from us, and that is a lifetime license for all 2D titles that we ever make. Now, yeah, I'm being fair. There is a distinction. This is for all 2D titles. I don't see 3D in our future, but if it does happen, you know, that's going to be that's going to be a lot of upscaling in the company to support that, you know, modelers, artists, blah, blah, blah. So we're talking about 2D, all 2D titles we ever make. You will have lifetime access to digital copy. Um, we're issuing a lifetime license key. Uh, interestingly, to issue that key, we had to create an open source bit of software, which we've since released called Lispy License that uses LibUUID and an SQL database to give you a UUID. And that's written in Go. So it's $20. You buy that. We send your license key. That is yours for life um you know let's not get into the whole hundred year debate there. <laughs> uh whatever we do that's yours so once we get ready for the point of our first release we're going to bring up an account service online you just plug your uid back into it and boom you've got an activated license you'll have your typical digital download area where you can just download the content so that would be literally yours for life any game that we ever make this 2d is yours and we decided to limit how many of those we issue because we want we want this to be as cliche as sound. We want it to be a bit of a special startup phase, you know, like it's a select few. So there is only a thousand licenses that we are issuing in this stage, and that will help in terms of funding bits. Of, not really much the development work because hey, this is my job, uh, but in terms of funding other people that need to be involved, artists, you know, testing anything that we're going to need for the game. That's feeding back into it, and you know, the flip side of that is well, the engine is going to be open sourced. So you are funding technically the development of that engine. So you're investing in open source by doing that. But kickback is you get games from us for life when we make them, when we release them. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a hybrid crowdfunding approach, um, but we hope people like it. And we're trying to keep on top of things with the blog. Obviously we've got other duties as well. And I'm, a, I'm really bad at updating websites, but you know, we updated, showing people what we're doing. Uh, we showed up on Twitter early on, and it's a blog post uh, where we got a thousand, ten thousand and one sprites rendering on screen simultaneously, moving ten thousand of them by clicking the mouse, mm. and moving one by moving the mouse uh, at sixty frames per second on four K, and that was just on my Dell XPS thirteen. So wow. you know, that's awesome. Yeah. Right, and that's, uh, we've done any kind of game development, you know, about ECS, the Entity Component System, so the engine has that in place at the moment as the typical workflow the game developers expect, especially indie game devs, so we've made that the, the primary focus for now, um, but in parallel, we're looking at our next pipeline, because we're just using SDL Renderer for now to bootstrap this project, and then we'll start switching to dedicated 3D pipeline, um, but as well as having ECS, you're going to have a more data-driven way of doing rendering in future, uh, so a lot of the work has gone in the last few days has been about cache locality. Um, we have large dynamic arrays of pack structs that are texture handles. So we can ensure we can have sequential lookups very, very rapidly in memory to access our texture objects and then do the blend of the sprites. So we're making it like hella efficient. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like abreast of all the changes we're making, uh, putting the videos up. And so it's going to be a fun journey anyway, because we're trying to, we're trying to hit this problem of how do you make a triple A quality game engine from typical open source components and then allow indie game devs to leverage that because it didn't exist for us. So we want that to exist for other people as well. 
because we all wanted to make that, you know, that little hobby game in our spare time with that nice camera shake effect or a bit of lighting, but you couldn't do it without going with a pro license or another bit of proprietary software that doesn't actually properly run on Linux. So, you know, it, it's a challenge, but <clears throat> this crowdfunding opportunity is, you know, is an opportunity for everyone to be involved in that part of that journey. And the payoff is everybody gets this engine and those who really want it will have this game. And we're really, really, really happy and confident about where this game is going. And I think other people like the idea of it because it's it's a novel approach to game development. Uh, it's a novel approach to uh, the story arcs in a game as well. Uh, you know, you, there's only so many times you can go around doing headshots in 4K before it becomes a little bit cyclical and a little bit dry. So yeah. we're hoping use the 2D medium to be more expressive. And I hope, really hope that people get that and want to be part of that. Definitely. Uh, so where can people learn more about uh, your project and, and what you're doing and how can people support you? Yeah, uh, just head to lispysnake.com, uh, which is L-I-S-P-Y-S-N-A-K-E.com. Uh, you'll have a landing page there, which immediately has a link to the Game Razor uh, campaign, which is what we've called this crowdfunding campaign. Uh, you can also refer it as to Game Razor if you're that way inclined, which <laughs> we um, you can read our about there and you've got links to our GitHub and our Twitter. Uh, we've got a couple of things up on, uh, on our GitHub already. We've got LibLS, which is a fork of my old project, which was LibUF, which is a C utility library. So that's growing with the engine, which is growing with the game. And there's a feedback cycle between them. We wanted a lightweight, portable, modern C library for basic data types. Uh, so hash maps, lists, lists uh, dynamic arrays, uh, having auto-free functionality as you unwind the stack. So making C much more tolerable. And that's become the foundation of our game engine. Uh, next to go on there is thread pulls and like routine-ish functionality, but while folks in fact it is actually still threading. Um, that's up in there. Our website's up in there, which is created using Hugo. Again, open source tool. You're welcome to hack on our website or fork it, modify it for your needs. Um, you know, everything is going up in there in time. Uh, some stuff is still kept under lock and key uh, just to avoid... There's going to be a lot of API changes. You know, we don't want people to rely on the engine before we know it's in a shippable form. Right. That's the only reason it's public on GitHub right now because if you get too early in adoption into that engine while it hasn't met our needs, we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah. And it has to be in a game engine that will meet our needs. So as we're a bit further along towards the, around about the time of our first technical demo, which, you know, the more support we get, the quicker we can get that out, um, then that will be open sourced and under a permissive license. Uh, not that we take any social stance one way or the other, but we describe ourselves as an open source company, uh, not a free software company. We are not socially or politically inclined. Um, open source is a great workflow for us. We love being involved in the community aspect of it, and we believe it works best for our company, but we're not aligned politically with any single viewpoint. And to us, the most important thing you, ha you can have is the freedom to make your own decisions. So take as you will. Right on, right on. Um, dude, thank you so much for joining me today and thanks for, you know, taking the time to talk about your game and your project and your company and, uh, letting everybody out there know about what you're doing. It's awesome. Thanks for having me on. 
I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, this was a lot of fun to talk to Ike. Uh, I'm really glad that uh, we got to connect on this. So uh, if you like this kind of work, you can support this show uh, with a monthly contribution on Patreon. That would be uh, I'd be super grateful for that. Uh, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash off topical. This has been the off topical podcast. My name is Gardner and let's do this again soon. 